0: Hello and welcome to this week's Next Sense Institute podcast. My name's Trudy Smith and I'm your digital host for this week. We have our final keynote presenter for the Spevy Conference, Dr. Kay Holbrook, longtime friend to Australia and New Zealand and the Spevy audience. Kay, can you please introduce yourself to anyone that that hasn't heard about you and know how wonderful you
1: are? Oh sure, Trudy, I'm happy to do that. Uh, I'm really excited about connecting with uh, my Australian colleagues um, very soon. So um, I have been in the field of visual impairment for all of my adult life, really. I I got my undergraduate degree from Florida State University in teaching students with visual impairments. Um, And so then began right out of school, right out of my undergraduate um, program. Um, I guess I was 22 years old. And um, I started my teaching students who are blind or visually impaired in Rock Hill, South Carolina, which is a small town in South Carolina. And then I moved to Atlanta, Georgia, and had some really good experiences as a teacher the visually impaired. But I knew that there was something that I wanted to do in addition to that. So I had this opportunity um, to talked to a general special education class about blindness and visual impairment. And I fell in love with talking with interested adults who were going to be teachers about the kinds of things that they could do in their classrooms, the kinds of things that they could do as a specialist teacher. And so I, I decided I wanted to go further in education. And I eventually, I got my master's degree and eventually my PhD in specializing in blindness and visual impairment. And I think you might find it interesting that my dissertation was about the collaboration between teachers of students with visual impairments and general education classroom teachers. So for for so many, so many years now, that's been a real interest of mine. And um, I first worked after my PhD. I worked at Johns Hopkins University, which is a wonderful university. <clears throat> but mostly focused on medical school. So I wanted to go somewhere that was more of a an education university, and so I accepted a position at the University of Arkansas at Little Rock, and I was there for seven years, and then just out of the blue got a call from the University of British Columbia in Vancouver, British Columbia in Canada, and um, it just was such a great opportunity, and um, I came up and and interviewed um, and just decided that that was going to be my next move. And it's been a really wonderful move for me. I, um, I in, I've i enjoyed everywhere I've worked, but this has been a real special place.
0: Mm, I'm sure they feel as, as blessed as you do about having you in the program. As someone with such a distinguished career that's that coming to an end soon, and one of our keynote presenters at spedb 23 I thought I might take this opportunity to reflect on your conference history with you. And so I wonder, what do you think makes a great keynote presentation?
1: Yeah, so um, I think about this quite a bit. Uh, I have, I will tell you that my father, when I was in my 20s, told me that going to a conference was a an investment in my future. So I've always kind of considered that. I thought that even if I had to pay for it myself, um, it invested me in what I, who I wanted to become and what I wanted to, to be. And so um, I have been to uh, countless co- uh, conferences through my years of, of working in this field. Um, and I have seen comp- uh, keynote presentations that are wonderful and stay with me for a long, long time. And I've also seen keynote presentations that I... I got angry at. There was one presentation that um, made me angry, and I've kind of never gotten over it. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you can learn a lot from something that you don't agree with, because that makes you define what you do agree with. But I think in a, in a in a real way, keynote presentations are good when they when they meet a need. For everyone in the audience, or for almost everyone in the audience, so broad based, and I I always enjoy a little humor in um, in keynote presentations, a little inspiration, a little um, motivation for the future, and so I think a keynote presentation is quite different from a concurrent session or or a poster session, and um, that's. That's kind of what I've come to believe about keynote presentations.
0: Absolutely. It's it's the, one of the few opportunities usually at a conference where everyone's learning together.
1: Yes, that's, and, that's a good point, yes.
0: And, and so it really does set the tone for those lunchtime conversations and, and coffee and those sorts of things. I wonder, Kay, if you've ever heard a keynote presentation that affirmed your belief that you were in the right profession for you.
1: So there was... Um, a keynote presentation. Well, it was kind of like a keynote presentation, it was an acceptance of a war- of an award, but it was the, the entire conference was invited to this. And um, it was Dr. Phil Hatlin, who was the superintendent of the School for the Blind in Texas, and prior to that, he had been a professor of um teaching students with visual impairments at San Francisco State University, and I was always intrigued just by his journey, his path, because he was a a professor, and then he had a lot of opinions on what schools for the blind should be doing and what education should be doing, Um, and somebody Sometime I heard this was a rumor, but I heard that somebody said to him, "Phil, you need to put your money where your mouth is and try to run a school for the blind." <laughs> so he took that to heart and decided that he was going to uh, try and run a school for the blind. So of course he chose the one that was the most challenging and the biggest and the and one of the the highest reputations. And um, he did a presentation that inspired me. But also made me say, yes, yes, that's that that's right. That's who I am and that's what we are. And it was all about fundamental truths and personal convictions and how you can you can have professional disagreements. Um, but really, the the thing that we go to the mat for is the fundamental truths. And there are things like, the rights of children to a a free and public education, Um, the abilities um, of of children to become what they have potential to becoming, Um, whatever that is and whoever they become, they need to be supported and their families need to be supported in that. So as I was listening to that and I actually pass out the text of his, i. I emailed him after the presentation. I said, I've got to have a copy of, of your, your presentation after the award. It was the Mary Kay Bauman Award. And um, so, so he sent it it to me and I still pass, pass it out to my students because I think it's such a fundamental part of who we are in our field. We're, we're quite cohesive. Um, Not, not to say we don't, have differences of opinions, but I I feel like we try very hard to be respectful and I care about that. So I would I, I hope that kind of answers your question. It absolutely does. I think
0: that that hits all of the high notes of what I was hoping for there. So yes, absolutely. And the fact that you are still sharing those notes I think, <laughs> speaks to the power of that presentation. If we think more broadly about conferences and all of the concurrence and, and the experience of being in a conference, what are some of the examples of the best things you've learned while attending in a conference? you know besides the obvious, leave fast to get to the bathroom as quickly as you can so you can avoid <laughs> you.
1: <laughs> well, um, this is this is a, a bit difficult to answer because um, some of the things that I've learned have been very, very specific. Something that somebody has presented from their own experience that I have drawn from, um, and some things have just made me. Uh, I have a colleague who we always say that just made me go hmm, because uh, it, they they just made me think and they've made me reflect and they've made me question things, and I think that's a big part of learning. Yeah. So um, I I know many of you have probably heard about the Getting in Touch with Literacy Conference, which is a conference that <clears throat> I developed along with my colleague Janie Blohm. And um, our, the first one was held in Little Rock when, when I was there. And it's been going on every other year. We've had good Australian representation at that conference. Um, but in that conference, I think I draw strength from the connections that I make. I always felt like I, I, my, my research focus is literacy. And so I, I would go to a big conference, a big professional conference, and I would get a little bit of a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And I wanted a lot of a little thing. And so we decided to do this top, we called it a topical conference. And it's been going on every other year since then, since 1993, except for COVID, uh, and in different places and with with different local arrangements committees. Um, But from from that conference, I would say I learned the most important uh, lessons related to how important it is that we listen to each other, not just hear each other speaking, but really, listen to the meaning behind what we're saying. And we, as a as a group of people who attend this conference, I think we pretty much trust each other. So the so the atmosphere and the environment at that conference, and frankly, I have to say, it's Bevy. I've i not been to Bevy, but I hear that that conference provides a supportive environment among people who trust each other. And I think that's that's big for learning. Mm. I think it it allows you not to be defensive., yep. it allows you to um, consider other people's opinions in a way that then goes back to Phil Hatland's um personal convictions um, discussion. Um, because if somebody disagrees with me on a personal conviction, I need to consider that. I need to pay attention to that. And so I would say, rather than specific things through the years because there were multiple multiple specific things that I have learned um, it's it's the more it's the broader more big picture issues that I that I have found valuable.
0: Sure. I, I feel like you've been alluding to this a lot. Did you ever hear something that fundamentally changed your practice??
1: well, I always think about a a presentation, it was a keynote presentation at an American Printing House for the Blind meeting. And I don't remember when it was, but it was a long time ago. And um, it was when the expanded core curriculum was really first being talked about as a, a real actual thing. And of course I've been working in the expanded core curriculum for, a very long time but I never called it that and mm-hmm. I never I never put it together put the pieces together to realize that this is an expanded part of the curriculum that all children need to have and it's expanded because it has elements that are based in visual input mm-hmm. and so I I think that that this keynote presentation really um, address that. The presentation was by Sandy, Dr. Sandra Lewis, Sandy Lewis, and um, she talked about, um, she she talked about the expanded core curriculum, but she also talked about something that she called um, the OSHUX shuffle. And the OSHUX shuffle, she talked about how Most of the time when someone knows that we teach children who are blind, they say, oh, you must be so special. Oh, you're so patient. I'm sure you're so patient. And most of the time our response is, aw shucks, it's nothing. And so what changed me in her presentation was that she said, we need to stop doing that Mm. because it is something, it is something important. And so your response to, oh, you must be so patient or you must be so wonderful to do that should be, well, yes, I am. (laughs) (laughs) And um, the reason I am is because children who are blind or visually impaired deserve people who are committed to this position because they have skills and knowledge and abilities that go go way beyond what what someone would do just out of the kindness of their hearts yeah and so I would say that was a pretty fundamental change to me to me because I I feel like I'm a humble person um in many ways um and so I was one of those people who would say oh no it's nothing really oh it's no it's no big deal and Sandy just really let us have it and said no don't say that I need to don't participate in the OSHA shuffle
0: yeah Uh, I I, I reflect on my own responses to that question I usually say well I do have the specialist qualifications that allow me to do this work I am a specialist so yeah I think it's reminding people that we aren't just mainstream teachers who are a bit kinder than everyone else
1: yeah no 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 um i i totally agree with you you know I, I think we all have people on an airplane or in an airport or at a restaurant or at a party or at a at a gathering who say what do you do for a living and we we tell it and of course of course the first question is always if we know sign language which
0: <laughs> which doesn't work for blind kids at all <laughs>
1: no and i don't <laughs> I don't, we've, we've, we've not made any progress on, on that understanding, but that's okay. I I can, I can forgive that. Um, But, but then the second question is often, um, gosh, how did you get into that? And, 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 and really some real unrealistic and kind of pejorative um, discussions around, something that is really important mm. for the lives of these people. They're not they're not getting my attention because they need mm. my attention. They need services, they need education, just like every other child. Yeah. So um I, I credit Sandy Lewis uh for making me again think not just that time when I was in her presentation but for years after this. Mm, yeah, I'll tell her. I'll tell her that I have now told uh, told this story again. We've <laughs> told people all
0: around the world through our podcast and, and and hopefully there are people now reflecting and, and nodding sagely and looking into the distance and thinking about how to <laughs> respond to that as well. So finally, Kate what's your advice for the attendees of this Bevy 2023 online conference? They're getting ready on the 18th to the 20th of January to give up three days of their school holidays to be with us. your advice for those participants?
1: Well, I love the way that you said that, Trudy. Um, I love the way that you said they're getting ready Um, because I do think that that's one of the pieces of advice is don't just let this happen. Get ready for it. Get ready to participate. Get ready to learn. Get ready to question. Get ready to reflect. It's hard work. Going to a conference is hard work. I I know that we are so fortunate to have the technology to, to gather together in a virtual way, but it also provides some real challenges for us. So, I, from a logistics point of view, I would say um, just turn off your phones, turn off your email if you possibly can, um, maybe set a schedule for yourself of when you're going to take five minutes and check things just to make sure that everything's okay. Um, but we get drawn into multitasking. I, I think we almost get forced into multitasking, um, especially when we're online and we think, oh, we can just glance at that. Oh, let me just answer that quick email. Or And of course, that it's much harder to do in a face-to-face conference mm-hmm. than it is in a in a virtual conference. So I would say, spend some time reflecting on how important it is that you take this time that just like flying to Sydney or flying to Melbourne and going to a conference, um, this should be a prepared trip for you to this virtual conference. And then I would say. Pay attention to people you want to connect with. Pay attention to what other people are saying, because there will be there will be kindred spirits in this group for everybody. Uh, We we sometimes work in isolation, but we aren't working alone. Mm -hmm. We work together. In isolation, if that makes any sense at all. Perfect. But, um, and so I would say we're a field, we're small field, and we are a field that values connections with like-minded and, um, and kindred spirits. Um, and so find those people at this conference and reach out to them. And say, really, I, I paid attention to what you said in this the, in this particular session, and I was just wondering if you'd considered it this way, or I was just wondering if you had a response to this kind of question. And um, and I think that will encourage you and inspire you to listen carefully. If you know that, then there can be follow up. And speaking for myself, but thinking for other people. We all like that. We we all value that. It's one of the reasons I go to conferences. Um, I don't go to conferences to present. I go to conferences to learn, and I go to conferences to connect. And I think that that's what we all do. Now, if you have something to present, I'm really looking forward to hearing what, what people have to present, because I will be Um, attending this conference uh, with with enthusiasm.
0: Hey, I I feel like I've been learning from you during this whole conversation. I need to go back and listen again and and take some more notes. I feel like you're such a wealth of knowledge and I, we didn't even touch on what you're going to talk about and and teach us uh, in your keynote. And we so look forward to hearing from you, as I said, on the 18th to the 20th of January, 2023, Sperby Conference, South Pacific Educators of Vision um, Impairment, people joining us from all over the South Pacific, Australia, New Zealand, and around the world. So thank you, Kay, for being with me today. I've really enjoyed this conversation.
1: Thank you, Trudy. I really look forward to it.